Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome to episode number 12 of Speaking from the Heart. This is a very special episode in which we're dividing into two parts, and today you are listening to part one. Our guest is Chris Pohl, who is an 18-year veteran of Toastmasters and has earned the Distinguished Toastmaster Award three times and is currently working on her fourth time to achieve. She belongs to three Toastmaster clubs in which she's actively involved in. She has been the 2023 Conference Chair for District 35, which includes Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. She has also been the Social Media Coordinator, which she has been able to utilize specifically for Facebook, the district's activities. She's been a club coach. She has a personal goal that she had been working on to visit a club in each of the 50 United States by the end of June. Chris has been employed since September 2021 with the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development as an employment and training specialist at the Sheboygan County Job Center. She's definitely putting her Toastmaster skills to work on a daily basis. She's been married for over 22 years with her husband, Troy. She doesn't have any kids or pets, but that allows her to enjoy the vast hobbies that she has, which includes reading, cooking, eating, and vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Now, why this is two episodes is because when we set out to record, I never thought we would be going for over an hour about the various things that she has done not only at her job, which has some great information to share, but also about her Toastmasters experience we'll get into in part two of this interview. Today, we're going to focus specifically on the employment and how she's been able to take her skills to help benefit a wide-reaching audience, not just of people that are from the common denominators of her society, but you might be just surprised by what she also interacts with on a daily basis. But with that, let's start part one of our interview with Chris Poole. All right, we have Chris Poole with us today. Chris, thanks for sharing your heart with us. My pleasure, Joshua. I know that for a fact that being able to get a moment of yours is something of a little bit of a challenge because you are such an awesome lady. And full disclosure for our audience, I've known Chris for several years through Toastmasters, which yet again, you get to hear a little bit more about that organization. Maybe after this episode, you will finally check out a Toastmasters club, which I'll also put in the show notes how you access it. But Chris, enough about Toastmasters for a moment. Yes. I know that you have been working on a lot of things over the past several years, and I just want you to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in your life, because the audience already knows a little bit about yourself, but what is it specifically that you've been able to achieve maybe in the last five years or so that you're really proud of? Oh, that's an interesting question. Probably my work has been the area that I have had the most growth, the most development, the most changes happening to me. I always say I spent four years in prison 
And I was actually the warden's secretary for four years out at Kettle Moraine Correctional Institution. It's in Plymouth, Wisconsin. It is the country club of prisons in Wisconsin, apparently. That's the nickname from the inmates. Spent four years there, and then I was released to the probation and parole office in Sheboygan. And I spent about six years there. Going from the institution to the probation parole office, I had a unique perspective of those individuals who are being sentenced from court coming in for probation and those being released from the prison coming to our office for meeting with the agents. One of the issues I'm going to say that I had working at the probation office or for the Department of Corrections, I did not feel that my skills were fully utilized. I was the magician. I did everything. I get bored easily because I am a very quick, fast, efficient worker. And that means I get my work done and I will volunteer and, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that which is both good and bad, keeps me busy, takes some of the work off of the plate from all of our agents. But when I had the opportunity to move over to the Department of Workforce Development as an employment and training specialist, all those extra projects that I did, nobody knew how to do that. And I tried to train. I had directions written up they were at a loss because I just did it and I did it effortlessly. And now they had to start picking up the slack, which caused some problems. In hindsight, I probably should not have done as much as I did, but I needed to do that to keep myself occupied. When this opportunity for the employment and training specialist came up, it was just even a fluke. Maybe every couple of months I would look at our website, WISC.jobs. That's the listing for our state of Wisconsin, all the employment positions, all the different divisions and departments within the state. And I just was playing around and I saw this opening and I do have a few different requirements when I'm looking for a job. I want something that I'm going to be challenged in, but not overly taxed. Driving, the commute is one of my big issues where I could either work and do some of the job remotely working from home, or it was a short commute time. I've got some health issues. The biggest one, I have wrist issues. That's one of my biggest ones. I have a difficult time holding on to the steering wheel because it hurts my hand, my right hand to hold on to it. So having a shorter drive time is a big consideration for me. I also have issues where if it's more than about a 20 minute drive, I start to fall asleep. Regardless of how much I slept during the night, I get so tired. When I was working at the probation office, I would help cover down in our Sockville office frequently. It's about a 30 minute drive. And after 20 minutes, I wanted to pull over and take a nap. I could not keep my eyes open. Wow. Brought that one up to one of my many doctors, and he put me on a pill for narcolepsy, actually. Mm -hmm. And I still feel tired, but my eyes are not that droopy, they have to close type of tired. So I'm able to drive and stay awake, even though I feel tired. I'm not as concerned that I will fall asleep at the wheel. So that part has been eliminated, which is very good. 
I want to ask you a few questions about what you were doing at the prison, because a lot of people have this association that when you go to prison, that your life is over. You have no hope. You have no chance. And I think the conversation, especially being myself a state employee over the last decade or so, I've heard a lot of the conversation and the tone and the words being used change significantly as it relates to people being able to re-enter the workforce. You are essentially a employment training specialist with the Sheboygan County Job Center. For those that don't know, Chris is in Wisconsin. But Chris, when you were working with those inmates, maybe indirectly or directly, did you see that maybe none of them were going to be able to ever succeed, that they were just going to be stuck in prison forever? I mean, obviously, that's a obscene question for me because I know that you've seen people do that. Sure. But I'm sure. curious, what have you identified as the most successful people that leave that area of being in probation or being in the, the jail system and what do you think have been some of the determining factors to do that is there any insight you could give us my personal opinion on this one majority of the people who are in the prisons they are not bad people they are people who made bad choices and those who are the repeat offenders they are not making that conscious effort to make positive changes in their life Sometimes I have seen individuals, they have come back on probation four, five, six, seven, 12 times, or go back into prison multiple times. And for them, at some point, there is something, that aha moment of, I need to start making changes in my life. Whether it's now they have a child, they finally grown up, somebody that they loved has passed away, something has happened for them to finally realize they are the ones who are in control of their life. They are the ones who have to make a positive change. For those who want to rehabilitate, who want to make improvements, there are so many programs available in the correctional system for them. In Wisconsin, each of the different institutions and correctional facilities have different programs available. When you are sentenced to prison, you go to Dodge, and that's kind of the intake prison. And you spend several weeks there, health assessments, dental assessments, mental assessments. They talk about learning, education, jobs, the interests, what kind of programs do you need to be in? Are you a sex offender? Are you a drug abuser? You go through different programming. And then based on all of the information, which I've never been involved in all of that detail, but that's what I've you know, taken from it. You are assigned then to a different institution. If you are interested in culinary arts and cooking, becoming a chef, then there's one specific institution that is their focus. And they prepare meals. They learn all the skills that are needed. There's one that has specifics for automotive and detailing and auto mechanic. Wide variety of different options available. If you're looking to get your GED, 
all of the correctional institutions have schools where you can get your GED. Most of the prisons are paired up with a technical college program so that they can graduate with an associate's degree in specific areas. Hmm. I know at Kettle Moraine, every year we would have a job fair. So we would bring in 50 to 60 employers who are open to hiring those with a felony background. Employers get tax credits if they do hire those with a felony background. And most people, it's probably the opposite of what they think. Those that have that felony background are the ones who normally will work harder because they want to prove themselves to that employer. They will go out of their way to make sure that they are on time or early. They put in the overtime. They've got the positive attitude because they want to succeed. I was instrumental in helping with our job fairs, and I would do some one-on-one workshops and trainings. I would work with the individuals and developing their resumes. So they would hand write it out. And then we actually had, remember one day, I was one of five individual staff members who would be helping to type up the resumes. And I had a line of about 20 guys wanting to work with me for their resume. And everybody else had maybe one person in line because I didn't just retype what they had written out. As I'm going through, I remember one person, he put on his resume, he dug holes. You can't just put, I dug <laughs> holes on a resume. That, <laughs> that does not relate very well. Yeah, I said, tell me a little bit more about this. Did you work on a construction crew? Yes. Okay. Did you use a shovel? Yes. Did you use a backhoe? Yes. Were you certified to use that backhoe? Well, of course you have to, otherwise you're not allowed to use a backhoe. So it opened up a lot more discussion and we put together this wonderful, fantastic resume because I was asking those questions and pulling out answers. They dug holes. That's all that they could think that they did, but there's so much more involved in that. I have to say that for myself, especially working through the business, I do resume writing and reviews and helping people to be able to expand themselves as part of this. And it's exactly the same concept, Chris, that we have to not just look at, well, yeah, I dug holes. Well, what did you do with those holes? What was involved with it? Did you work with other people? Did you actually achieve something as a result of it? Was there a cost savings with that sort of digging of the hole? Why was it a cost savings? Those are the questions that we often have to flush out that some people think, yes, I did this specific responsibility, but because you are working on what those accomplishments are, that really helps you to stand out. I want to pivot back on something that you said about having those people come to you, those 20 people, especially when you are working with a resume or even people that you are making that connection with. Because for some people that don't know, Chris is a great hugger. And I've been able to be privileged to receive some of those hugs once or twice. But you have that contagious emotion of connection with people, that fantastic opportunity to bond with others. When you are working with people and you maybe don't even know who they are and you have this generation of thought of, I want to make this person feel pretty good today. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a hug, but what goes through your mind that makes you 
feel prompted to do something like that because I think that most people don't normally go up and think, yeah, I'm going to make this person feel good today. And I'm not saying that's generative of all the different types of people, but Mm -hmm. there are a special class of people that are doing that. And what makes you do that? I think part of it, especially now in my role as an employment and training specialist, I get paid to help people build their resumes, but it's more than that. And it's just a part of who I am. And I will react and kind of mirror the, not necessarily the attitude, but the actions of the individuals coming into our job center. And I don't make a connection with everyone. And it works out then that my coworkers can make the connection with those that I can't. But oftentimes it's a matter of listening to them and asking questions to draw more information. We'll have individuals come in. I need a job. What type of job are you looking for? Anything. I just need a job. Anything encompasses a whole lot of stuff. Okay. I know that there's a dentist opening across the street. You want to apply for that? I can't be a dentist. You just said you could do anything. Okay, I know there's an adjunct instructor position up here. Well, I can't be a teacher. Okay, let's narrow down what is your anything that you can do or want to do. And once we start having that conversation, that dialogue, that opens up more of where I can try and gear them towards four specific jobs. And then that helps to focus how we're going to build their resume as well. If it's somebody who wants to transition to something different, I have a different approach for them. If they're coming from the factory, they want to move into an office position. We have to approach their resume in a different way. I will have, I've got several people who come in. I just was released today. Most people, when you hear that phrase, would not know what that actually means. That means it's a Tuesday. They just got released from prison today. And their first stop was coming to the job center. That tells me they are the type of person they want to make positive changes in their life. If they go from prison to the job center, boom. Most times those are the ones that come in. I need to find a job. I need some help with housing. I do need to get on food share and healthcare. All right. When job is their number one priority, because they need to have stable employment so that they can be comfortable with using these other services. Others have a different perspective. I need food share. I need health care. I need housing or rental assistance. I need a job. Because for them, they need those basic needs satisfied before they can have the confidence to get a job and maintain a job. You approach everyone a little bit differently. I have one person, any kind of suggestion that I would offer to him, he would just almost, I felt like he was attacking me. And from the first moment he walked in, I need help. I need unemployment. All right. We need, I'll be getting you the forms, this one, this one, this one. Do you have a current resume? No, I don't need a resume. Okay. Are you going to be looking for jobs? Well, yeah then do you have a resume? I told you, I don't need a resume. Okay. Just from the response, I back off then. Come to find out, yeah, he needs to build a resume, but he was convinced he had worked at one position or one company for 10 years. Any employer would see he had 10 years of experience at one company, they're going to hire him. Boom. 
no, it's more than that. And it took him over a year and a half and three jobs that he did get. And he either walked out or he was let go within a week and a half because it's more than just working for one company for 10 years. Attitude has a big part of it. Wanting to learn, wanting to change because things are different. What would you say to somebody then that would be having that attitude or that mindset of, I don't think that you are going to help me to where I need to go because I often come across that a lot, especially with clients that I work with or try to work with, and they're simply not ready. What is your approach, especially for even people coming from that background where they were released? How do you address that type of I don't want to say deficiency because I think that it's just an understanding or having an awareness. And some people don't have that awareness. Mm -hmm. How do you bring about that in a positive, professional sort of way? What's the best tact if you can describe how you take that approach? Sure. Some of it is the explanation of how you apply for jobs, how you interview that process has changed over the last 10, 15, 20 years. It's not where you make one resume, you make 100 copies, you send it all out, the exact same thing. You do need to customize that resume. That resume is that initial marketing tool pulls in that first employer, say, ooh, I need to bring that person in so I can meet them in person and get to know them so I can determine, yes, this is who I want to hire and work for me. Some of these individuals, they don't see that. They don't understand the importance of the resume or the importance of explaining what you have been able to do. The person who had worked at the same company for 10 years, this company has eight different divisions. Well, what did you do there? It was pulling teeth to try and find out what department, what division he actually worked in, what different lines did he do? Because he didn't think any of that was important. And after a while, when he would come in, he was my kryptonite. The other, my coworkers, they would work with him instead because they had a different relationship with him that they were able to somewhat connect with him than I could. I did have, I want to say my outburst one day with him this is after about a year and my outburst, I was very quiet and calm. And I told him, I said, I'm very worried. I said, you continue to ask the same questions every single week when you come in here and I'm giving the answers. All the coworkers are giving the same answers, but you're not remembering, you're not retaining I don't know if it's because you don't want to remember this information because you have a certain thought process. I said, I'm worried because I don't know how to help you anymore because I have given you all the different suggestions, all the different ideas that have worked for other individuals. But because you seem to not want to take the ideas and suggestions, I don't know what to do anymore with you or how I can help you anymore. And it wasn't because you gave up on them or anything at all. It definitely doesn't sound like that. You and others have been working so hard to try to instill this in this person, but they are just not yeah. ready to accept it. 
Yeah. And it was funny because a little bit after that, I left for lunch and my coworker came up to me after lunch and he said, you know, this person asked him what was wrong with me today. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. And all along and think, you know, because of the different questions that he kept asking, I wanted to ask him, can he read? Is he literate? But I can't ask that one. And I did find out now in the last two months, he is dyslexic because he actually came in, asked me to help fill out a paper application form because he kept coming over. Well, what does it mean by, what does this mean? What does this mean? Okay, did I fill out all these questions? And he would miss different ones or what should I be writing? Based on that, he is dyslexic. And because I found out later, he did finally apply for DVR, Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. They help all individuals with so many different disabilities. And it's not just physical ones. If there's mental, there are diabetes, asthma, amputation, stroke, so many different types of disabilities DVR works with. He did get that job. That I helped him with that application. It's been about three or four weeks now. I'm very excited. I haven't heard that he's come back at all. But one of the questions I had asked him when we were filling out this application, what does the company do? Because his focus was it is a five-minute walk from his house. I love that. What do they do? Well, I think they make socks or something. I don't know. <laughs> if they're if if their interest or, and then I said, have you done any research on the company? Because that's one of the things we always promote. You need to research the company. Is this a company that you want to work for? Do they make products or do they have the same values of what you believe in? What is their culture like? Are you going to be a fit with them? Are they going to be a fit for you? His response was, well, if they're interested in me, they'll tell me what they do. When you have somebody that says that and they are saying, yeah, well, I know that I'm important and they're going to tell me what I want because I'm the one in control. How do you how do you start to shift that mindset? Because obviously we know that going in with that sort of mindset is not going to help you get any money from them because that is not that is, in effect, changing the conversation to I don't need a job from you. I'm the one that you need to employ because I'm the one that has the most worth. I'm not saying that that's not a good mindset when Mm -hmm. it comes to certain jobs, but maybe I would say for a good 85, 90% of jobs, it does not work that way, especially when you're trying to convince out of a pool of applicants that you are the standout candidate that they should hire. How do you stop them from going down that path? It depends on that individual. So for this person, I knew there was not going to be anything I say that's going to change his mind. I just dropped it. I did let DVR know this was his perspective. He said, well, because DVR, they'll help me get the job anyway. He thinks that it's going to be given to him on a silver platter. And I gave DVR that heads up that this is what we had talked about. There are some people, you can tell that they're open. They don't realize that things have changed And when I start talking about researching the company, because they're going to ask you, well, what do you know about our company in an interview? Practicing some of those interview questions. You have to be prepared as a job seeker. And job seekers don't necessarily realize that. It's a lot of work to find work. (laughs) And 
you kind of have to play off of how that person is. If they're open to your feedback, open to those suggestions, sometimes it is a process and you have to do baby steps. I know I'm the type of person, I just want to give you everything all at one time. I do that work. I do that in Toastmasters. And I really have to pull myself back because I expect everyone to be at the same level where I am, my same thought process of this is what is important. So I have to take care of this. Not everyone is there. I always have to look at each individual and see where they are of how much I can push for them. I've had a couple individuals come in. They lost their job that morning and they come straight in. I need to apply for unemployment. I need to work on a resume. I need to find a job. Well, by the time they get that third sentence out, they are in tears because they are this, there's so much grief. There's so much to process. And I've told those people, I said, you're, we're not doing anything today. You are not in the frame of mind. I said, these are some of the things I want you to work on over the next couple of days. Come back. Then we can start working on your resume. Then we can start working on this. You need to just take some time, get your head wrapped around this situation because this is a huge loss. If you just were terminated from a position through your fault or not your fault, it's a huge thing to comprehend. We have workshops on job loss strategies. You're going through those five stages of grief if you've lost a loved one. Same thing happens when you've lost your job. I'll try and relate. When I had lost my job, I was unemployed for three months. I thought, I'll get a job right away. Not a big deal. It took over a year and a half to find my full-time position. I found a temp job in the meantime, but it's a lot to take in. And it was a lady and I sent her away. And she came back the following week. We worked on her resume. She got a job within a week or two. Because at that point then when she came back, she was in a frame of mind to accept the suggestions and information I was sharing. She was ready to put in the work that was needed. And I love when that happens. I love the success stories. I had one gentleman and he had had a stroke. He had very limited use of the left side of his body. And so I did a lot of the typing and application entry for him, which we're not supposed to do. But I worked with him four or five months. And then he got a temp position. And then after three months, they hired him on full time. Every couple months, he would stop back in just to say hi, give an update, how he's enjoying the work pretty much doing everything one-handed. He's keeping up with everyone else. And it was a fast-paced situation. I love hearing those success stories. You have said a lot when it has come to the realm of vocational rehabilitation, which is something that I have worked in myself for a number of years working with blind entrepreneurs. And you also touched on a lot of personal stories about some of those people that have come through your services or even started to work on what that next reality is for them, especially with all the things that they have going on. I want to ask you this. What are two things that you would recommend to somebody, whether they are going through a difficult time, whether they were just released from prison and they happen to find this podcast, 
if they were going through a traumatic situation in which they've had to relocate, what are the top two things that they should do starting today that would help them to get to the next step? I should caveat by saying that this should be relating to the job searching process or even sure. getting to an application. Sure. I think having the positive mindset and knowing that things have changed over time, you need to have basic computer skills. You can't always rely on what you have done in the past. Things have changed technology-wise, the way that businesses work, what they are producing nowadays, what your role within a company is. Being open-minded to knowing that things have changed, I think, is number one. Number two would be to learn new skills because the more skills that you have, especially those soft skills, those interpersonal skills, the ones that help you to develop the relationships that you're going to need when you are in a new job, those are the two things to think about and be most aware of. What a great part one of my interview with Chris, where we really focused on not just the job skills that are important for someone to be able to grow, but I loved her personal stories that she connected with as it related to the candidates and the people that would come through the door throughout her job that she has currently, but how it easily transferred over from the things that she was doing while she was locked up in prison. Folks, if you were missing the joke, she was not ever in jail. She worked at a jail as a result of her employment. And I found that to be incredibly awesome to hear because of not just the ways that we often think about prisoners and after they are serving their term, going back in the workforce, we're thinking that maybe they have no opportunity, no skills. They are just going to be really tough to retrain and get into the workforce. These are people that are the hardest working and have built back whatever they had lost as a result of some of the mistakes that had happened. Maybe that might have been of their fault. Maybe it had been of their fault. But nevertheless, they have been able to move forward. Now, if you are in the Wisconsin area, Chris did leave a link with me for the Job Center of Wisconsin that if you are in Wisconsin and you need any help, you can check out their website, jobcenterofwisconsin.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And they have resources not only for those that are in the area, but even if you're looking for any sort of training or any sort of opportunity, this is a great website to check out, even as somebody that might not even have anything to do with the state of Wisconsin. I really loved Chris's story about all the things that she has been through in a medical perspective, because sometimes even having some of those difficulties, you have to find a way inwardly to work through them. And we've had guests on this show already that have talked about their vast experiences and been able to overcome them as a result of that. It wasn't just about the things that she was giving as tips. It was about her personality, her approach to this. And I really enjoyed that she was able to change all the things about not just the people that were coming through the door and that we were trying to always make positive strides in our life to go in that right direction. But she said something that was really keen for me, which is to find something that unlocks them. 
And we've been talking a lot of various episodes about that potential that is within somebody. Something that is so dormant that sometimes it's even hard for us to find out what can we do to go from the point A that we're at right now to move on to the point B. I really loved how she took that personality and how she takes that opportunity for people that are going through such a hard time and is willing to apply herself to help them get to the next step. So much so that she has people lining up to see her. What a great person to be able to know who is just so contagious with her personality and positivity that you want to go up and listen to them. And that's the key, is that we have to find ourselves to listen to people so that we can create that value. And sometimes realizing those things and having the opportunity to be able to listen is a challenge in itself. It does require active listening, as some of my other guests have mentioned. I love Chris's point of view when it comes to not just dealing with that, but also realizing that things have changed in the world and what used to work maybe 10 or 20 years ago doesn't always work at the same time, at the same place, in the same manner as maybe things are working today. Nobody's entitled to anything. You always have to show your worth because people don't necessarily know what that is. I know that for a fact. Listen to me on a podcast trying to show you that I have confidence, relationships, and determination to change the world as we view it using our voice. I know, I stitched that all together in one nice package about my whole entire business, your speaking voice. But that's what it takes is having that opportunity of a lifetime to prove yourself, to showcase what you truly are and doing it in as little time as you can because some people don't have enough time to do that and time is precious. It's not to subject anybody and put them down into another category. It's just that for many of us, we can embellish. We can show what we can do given all the tools that we have. And if we had infinite amount of time, we could show that throughout the vast experiences that we have lived on this earth whether that's been for 20, 30, 40, so on and so forth. All those different year combinations, all those different decades, each of us brings something unique to the table. But we also have to be prepared to not only address what we are qualified to do, but the people that are on the other side of the table have to also be ready for the questions and answers that you are going to respond to. That's why. They are looking for somebody that is unique. Don't ever take that for granted. Sometimes just getting over that aspect of feeling like you are nervous and afraid can be the very first step in showcasing all those different opportunities, which for my business, I do offer resumes. I do offer interview preparation. I do offer confidence building. But the problem is I can give you all these things. But if I draw a line in the sand and I ask you to step forward, knowing that you have to take responsibility for some of the work that you're going to put into it, are you going to put it in? Are you going to be some of those people that have been released from prison and are ready to take things on? If you are a listener that has been in prison, I have to say that I have the utmost respect for you because 
it isn't just the fact that you have gone through some of the things that you have endured and come on the other side being a different type of person, but you have shown yourself to be somebody that you never thought possible after going through the experiences that you have. I'm proud, I'm honored, and I enjoy the conversation that I had with Chris as a result of that and getting to understand more about what some of those people go through. Now, I have to say that sometimes that even if you have all those things ahead of you, addressing the steps ahead are the most important. If you're able to do that, nothing is impossible. We'll continue this conversation in part two of episode 12, which will air tomorrow. But until then, thanks for listening to Speaking from the Heart, and I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.